Hey guys, welcome back. So how did I get here? This is me, Sam Lax, and this week I had the pleasure of talking to improviser, teacher, actor, comedian, podcaster, and dulcetly toned wordsmith, Carlo Ritchie. He's one of the founding directors and current artistic director of Improv Theatre Sydney, which is Sydney's first and only dedicated improv theatre school, which I have studied at, and he's one half of the acclaimed improv comedy duo The Bear Pack, alongside fellow ITS director Steen Raskopoulos, and the pair of sold-out shows at comedy festivals around the world, from Melbourne to Edinburgh Fringe, and even the coveted Cat Laughs Festival in Kilkenny, Ireland. Over the course of our chat, We trace the roots of Carlo's affinity with language and see how this passion guided him through life to the founding of ITS, that five years and 840 students later now has a physical home in Redfern, Sydney. We talk about his strange obsession with the Titanic, how the bear pack was born and of course he tells me about the year in Poland, drinking beer near the brewery and teaching English in the evenings that literally changed the course of his life. I had heaps of fun chatting to Carlo, and I hope you enjoy our chat too. And a little FII for those that don't know, improv, aka improvisation, is a collaborative method of creating live spontaneous theatre, where people, or players as they're known, conceive original scenes in the moment, spontaneously discovering ideas, relationships and worlds, all from a single audience suggestion. It's pretty dreamy stuff. Just keep chatting away. Yeah. Well, there's a quoll. I never noticed that there's a quoll behind that television. A, te- a picture of a quoll. What is a quoll? Uh, type of Australian. I think it's a marsupial. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Like a native cat. I don't know. Verging on a quokka, not quite a quokka. Yeah, they eat flesh too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Noted for um, when I'm on a night out and find myself surrounded by what I think are quackers. Yeah, then... Actually, voraciously... Tuck, tuck your pants into your socks. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we are recording. Um, and... Crispy cheese. Cool. Groovy. Is that... It? What, what is the crispy cheese? Is that just a particularly good phrase for... No, not at all. I Literally, first time I've ever said it. Really? So they, you can use that one, though. You're more <laughs> than welcome to. Crispy cheese. What would be yours? What, what do you start the... the I don't know. I mean, crispy cheese is good. It yeah. has all. It has that high fricative s noise in it. It does. So yeah. you, you got a, you got a good sound there for testing. There you go, and that is verified by a linguistics <laughs> BA holder himself, Carlo Ritchie, who I am very privileged to have on my show today. What a natural, what an organic opening. <laughs> yeah. How fitting. That's what you're really chasing, isn't it? There so, we yeah. go. <laughs> that was it. No. Um, you so just have to have to keep your vocal warm up in there, though, is the thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I normally start with like a boo 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 but that is a much better one. So welcome, guys. To, so how did I get here with me, Sam Lax? And as I said, Carlo Ritchie, part actor, part improviser, part Superman. <laughs> one of the founding members of its Improv Theatre Sydney, which is where we are recording today. Sorry for the reverb, reverb, reverb. We're in the main performing room. And also its current artistic director. Thank yeah. you very much for joining me, mate. Oh, thanks for having me in, Sam. It's a pleasure, really. Not at all. Well, thanks for having me in <laughs> into the yeah. it's building. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> down here. There we go. Yeah, coming to me. Oh, mate, no, not at all. As I explained, just a little bit off mic there. So this is just a fun chat about yourself and uh, your journey through the world that we call life at the moment. So, should we begin at the beginning? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Where were you born? 
I was born actually here in Sydney. I was a home birth oh. in Surrey Hills. Wow. So that yeah. flies in the face of New Englander that I see on your bios. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my dad is from New England. My mum is from Thornton Northern, in uh, north of Newcastle. Oh, um, okay. But they were both living here at the time and yeah, uh, my mum gave birth to me mm. on her birthday. On um, her birthday? In their shared house. In, in Riley Street wow. in Surrey Hills, yeah. As if having a child couldn't be selfless enough. <laughs> yeah. She now has to share her birthday with you. Exactly, I had to cancel all her plans. What a woman, what a woman. And mm. she is of German and Turkish descent? That's right, yeah. Correct. Yeah, nice. you've done your research. Well, we try, we try. So what, uh, from that upbringing, do mm. really strikes you in terms of oh, yeah, how you are today? Well, it's interesting, actually. So mum used to always read us the German um, children's books, when we were little, um, but then sort of decided to pull away from that and us learning German uh, because she'd had a bad time at school speaking German as her first language, so she didn't want us to go through that same thing, which is a shame because it would have been amazing to have had it as a native language. And I, I ended up learning it later on in life. And there were some advantages in that I, I don't have a particularly strong Australian accent when I speak German just because of having it as a kid. Okay. But... Um, yeah, so we didn't get too much of that. And, and then mum kind of really was very connected with her Turkish side because she had come into that much later in her life. She'd only found out she was Turkish when she was, I think, 17 or 18 or so. Um, and so she was really fascinated by that and she had learnt the Turkish culture as an adult. So, you know, mm. just like if you have friends who have been over to visit India or Reconnect. go across to, you know... Um, even if, even if you have mates that go and stay in London for a couple of years, they bring back all of those things as adults. You know, there's like, sure. oh, yeah, I take my shoes off because we used to have a flat in Soho. We took our shoes off. You know, there's those little things. Is this talking about your bear, pa- bear pack partner, oh, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like every time I go to this guy's house, I've got to take my bloody shoes off. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Um, so it was like that with mum. You know, she had all these Turkish things that she wanted to do and we ate a lot of cool Turkish foods and stuff growing up. But Oh, yeah, nice. So, yeah. What's a, a particular dish, Turkish dish that stands out to you? Mum used to do a lot of like phyllo pastries with, um, oh. you know, feta and spinach and onion and Any meal wrapped nuts. in a carb is my Achilles <laughs> yeah. heel, honestly, from baklava to like a calzone pizza, just as long as it's one mouthful done. Oh, yeah. It's a sensational way to eat. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Minimum as well. Boom, in the bin, you're done. Yeah. So I certainly, I think if I inherited anything, it was a sort of love of, of, different cuisines i suppose fantastic that's great and then from your dad's side any kind of um major influences from him oh big time like i mean my dad is like i mean his grandmother was danish from like this family that jumped off the boat and then his family were this real old school scottish family you know Every firstborn son is given the same name, basically. Like one of those kind of oh wow, like um, Mark one, generation two, three well, versions, yeah, like or just always, the same name. You always have to have James there, so it's always you know. So it's like my when you go through the family, it's like John James, James, Valancey James, Alexander James, and oh, then my okay. dad was the second son, so Alexander, wow, J- uh, John Alexander. But you know, it's um, and then me, Carlo James. So uh-huh. there's like all these little continuous, very big ritual family. I, th- I, like like I certainly inherited a lot of rituals. Is that why you, you gravitated towards improv to get away from that kind of structure? I don't think. I mean, it's it's getting Freudian here. <laughs> yeah, it's really my my whole lifestyle is rituals. I um, yeah, you know, 
I, everything I do, because, like, you know, you, eventually you turn habits into rituals, they say, and that's kind of my whole MO. I function very well to, a, to schedules and routines, you know. Interesting, yeah. I am a man that kind of thrives in that as well, that structure, and yet at the same time I kind of vehemently kick out against it. It's kind of like when I have it, for a while I'm like, this is fantastic, very streamlined, very efficient, and then the kind of like the need for variety kind of kicks back like how do you juggle that we're juggling around in our timeline here but i'm just interested how does how do you juggle your kind of improv mindset and your your i don't know your day-to-day it's funny yeah i i don't know i think my improv mindset is very much about just kind of going with the going with the flow i suppose so you know i i function really well with routines but i think i'm not so married to them in the in the degree that if i if a routine starts falling apart that i start disintegrating myself you know sure, so i'm quite sure. good at i'm quite um uh resilient in that respect nice so yeah. to use booking a holiday as a metaphor for would you be happy to book flights there and back if you were traveling say for a month and then you'd leave the it that's enough structure and then within that the itinerary makes itself or would you have to have a day by day it's funny actually uh, we were just talking about this the other day my partner and i in that um i tend to be i tend to like to know the at least some bare bones of what i'm where i will be sure if i have to go different places if it's just a trip over like last year for example i went to ireland Mm. for two weeks and I made no fixed plans and I knew that I had to be at this particular place on a weekend and other than that, I just, you know... Freestyled it. Yeah, than, yeah just went went. Uh, I like it. Went wild. And that, I, I like that. Other times though, like the same year, I went to Poland with my partner and had like a very meticulous itinerary of like, oh, we'll go to this city and this city. And, um, you know, so okay. it, I guess it depends um, in what role I'm traveling i guess okay cool so you're a well-traveled man then not not i would i I don't know i i i never i've traveled a lot but i've mostly gone to the same places over and over again is this comedy festivals or in just because you found somewhere and you're like yeah i like this if you're broke don't fix it yeah i'm a real nester in that regard i've traveled a lot but it's you know i've I spent a lot of time in poland and i spent a lot of time in scotland and Mm -hmm. you know there are certain places where i've just gravitated to in my mm. so poland was that something to do with your university or studying with language what what took you to poland yeah well, so when i finished high school um i went over to poland to teach english for nine months oh what made you um, choose poland uh there were only a cu- I, I knew that i wanted to go to europe and i had there were a couple of options i had this option to go and work with um tibetans learning english in india or go to Poland and I was pretty divided by it but I, I really wanted to go to Europe just because it was where my mum was from and I had family there and it was really, you know, it was quite compelling as an 18-year-old mm. um, to kind of go and visit that that place. And then, like, you know, there are lots of dumb, smaller contributing factors. So there was this film Eurotrip that came out to, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, I haven't got that much money, but <laughs> I hear I can buy a castle <laughs> yeah, over yeah. in Poland. Yeah, it was like um, when that film came out, I was like, wow, I was going to go on. <laughs> this, this place, Eastern Europe looks wild. You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I um, 
and took the took the job over in Poland. Good man. All right. Yeah. Well, let's surmise that eight months then in a sentence. Uh, drinking beer near the brewery, teaching English in the evenings. You know. Very good. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. And who were your drinking buddies around there? So I went with one other Australian guy, a friend of mine, Andrew. Of course, the traveling Fo. packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the two of us, we were both teaching English there. And the town that we were living in is this little town called Jivietz, which is beside a lake in mm. the um, Biscuity Mountains in the south of Poland. Beautiful. So if you go up from the town into the mountains further, there's the old brewery mm. uh, where they make Jivietz beer, which is a very popular Polish beer. Ooh. And we could, the people that we were living with had a sort of had a house up in the mountains. They were in Poland. They're called Goralski, like this these Highlanders or Goralu, these Highlander. This Highlander culture, okay. and the people we were living with, the husband was a Highlander traditionally. So he had grown up in the mountains. They had a little house in the mountains, and yeah. so you could go to the brewery, and we'd have this big five-liter glass jar, and we'd fill it with beer, and then go up into the mountains and light a fire. And oh wow, it was it was a pretty awesome little place to be. Yeah, quite. And then all of the little mountain schools, we would just take. My job was basically we would go around to all the little mountain schools. We'd go to a different valley each day and just go to all the schools and teach the little kids English. Incredible. And in the afternoons we would go. We had They had an English school, so mm. we'd teach there in the evenings. This sounds like the makings of, if not it's already, some sort of fantastical children's book or <laughs> yeah. like a comedy series or something. <laughs> Have you got anything, inspiration from this that's come into any of your work? Oh, look, it, it affected my whole life, I think, being there. It's... um. You know, Eastern Europe is, has had a lot of tragedy, you know. Mm-hmm. For most people in Eastern Europe, I feel like the the Second World War didn't really end until the fall of communism um, well, in the 90s. Well, of course, they still you know? have the scars of it, you know. It doesn't go away, does it? Yeah, so exactly. you have the economic scars, and it, if nothing else. But yeah, yeah, so it, it was it was a really nice place to to get spend a formative year of your life because I ended up staying longer and I was there for 12 months. Mm. Um, what made you not stay? Not just in Poland. Oh, I just loved it. I I loved the, the particularly the family that I was living with. They didn't have a television, um, at least not for the first little while we were there, and they didn't have laptops or they didn't have the internet at home really. And mm. so every night we would just sort of we would drink vodka and tell stories or sing songs, Amazing. and that kind of storytelling aspect was I I just fell in love with it, and I. I had such a wonderful time doing that. And I think that then affected um, so much of my life. And the other thing was it was the first time I'd ever really properly learnt a foreign language and um, like lived in a foreign language. Mm. And then before I had gone to Poland, I had thought that I would start an arts degree at Sydney Uni and then transfer into law. But then after that trip, I was like, I just want to do something with languages and that's what led me into linguistics. So it had a big impact on my life. Yeah, hugely, yeah. Mm, that's mm. incredible. And then so you get back to uh, Sydney eventually yeah. to study linguistics. That's right, yeah. And this is where you discovered theatre sports, right? And uh, tell me a little bit about a Canadian duo called Scratch. Yeah, right. You really have uh, – you've done some deep diving, haven't you, Sam? Uh, there you go. You've got my goggles on, mate. Is this in the public domain? This is been... all in your bin. <laughs> is that right? No, no, yeah. in, it is in the public domain, yes. yes. You're um, just thinking, oh, shit, cookies. I was told about cookies years ago, but I've never cleared comes, them. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I thought there was a rustling outside. Um, but – yeah, so I used to go on Thursdays. I used to have a really interesting course called 
God, now it's stretching my memory back. It was an English course was taught by this guy, Nick Reamer. And beforehand, my friend Jamie and I used to go to Manning Bar to watch theatre sports and we would drink a couple of beers and watch this comedy show and then go to this lecture in the afternoon. And uh, Comedy before lectures? Yeah. This is outrageous. I've missed out. This yeah, is we, class. We were, we were a wild time. Yeah. You know? um, uh, you know, it was, it was a kind of lecture you really needed some sort of fortification for, in a way. Yeah, of course, of course. Anyway, we would um, watch this show, and it was terrific. Like it was, you know, people at the time that were performing there, like Michael Hing and Alex Lee, and um, you know, we would we would see that every week. And then one week, this duo Scratch came to perform from Canada, and I just thought, like, this is incredible. Like that was a whole different level of of improv that I had seen. And I just I knew that I wanted to to do it. So the shows would be on Thursdays, and then at the end of the show, they'd say, "Oh no, every Wednesday we have a a jam. If you want to come along, it was I think from one till three from memory or something like that." And so I went the next week, and yeah, it sort of started off there. You met your teacher, Steam Raskopoulos. Yeah, so Steam was teaching, and the first week I performed, I performed with Steen and another guy, Sam. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're performing with your teacher straight off the bat. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, because they would take turns. So like Steen and then another teacher, the other teacher, Ben Jenkins, they would rotate. When there were new performers coming, they would perform with them. I see, yeah. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. perform with Steen and Sam and um, and myself. And then the following week I performed with uh, um, Ben and I think with Alex Lee. The second time I ever performed. Wow, what a taste for it! That's that's one way to get you hooked for sure. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because the show they were incredible improvisers, exactly. You know, and um, you, it's in such safe hands, and they would just be setting you up to really smash it. It was it was an awesome time. That's incredible, and it didn't yeah. take long for the Bear Pack duo to form. Then, so was it 2012? You agreed to join forces, or was it earlier than that? It was earlier. I mean, so the first time Stan and I performed as a duo was 2009. Um, 2009, oh wow. There used to be a show called Full Body Contact No Love Tennis, which is run by Cale Bain, Mm -hmm. who is one of the people that also founded It's. Yeah. And Cale used to run this night, which was he had found a trophy for the under-19s tennis men's Jewish doubles champions. Fantastic, love that. And so he had created the show where it was doubles would have 19 minutes and... It was that was a cumulative time, and every time you did a you did three scenes, and each time you had to eat up that time. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it was an amazing show, and I used to go and watch that and just think like this is, you know, I thought Cedar Sports was incredible, and then seeing mm. that, which was real long form improv, just thinking like this is a whole different level, mm. you know, of improv. Mm. Um, you know, you'd be going and watching like Susie Yusuf and Amanda Buckley and um, Steve Lynch, just these incre- you know people who were just really on their game. Mm. And you know Jordan Raskopoulos and Steen Raskopoulos were there, of course. And then Steen one um, one day asked if I wanted to go and do a, a duo with him. And so I went in and we called ourselves the Bear Pack. And we started we did tennis a few times as the Bear Pack. And um, then it just started growing from there. And I think 2010 it was either 2010 or 2011 we started doing festivals but we'd been doing the bear pack on wednesday nights by I that see, stage yeah. just sort of a regular so it already been born yeah. yeah interesting and it was i'm trying to place um the what's the film where the popular reference to bear pack is from where, where did the name come from is what i want to know 
Um, I don't actually know. It, well, actually, I not do. the hangover. It was, it was that, that that I used to call Steen Big Bear. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know where it came from, and he would call me Little Bear, <laughs> and then we were just the bear pack, you know. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of went from from there. That's fantastic. That's yeah. great. So you were hitting the festival scenes, and you've played festivals all around the world, right? So from Melbourne to Edinburgh, all over the shop. Where? Give me some highlights, some career highlights of the Bear Pack specifically, and then we'll talk about your solo show as oh, well. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, my my the biggest career highlight for me thus far was uh, Steve and I got invited to perform at this festival last year called the Kilkenny Cat Laughs, mm-hmm. which I didn't know very much at all about it when we were invited. And it wasn't really until I was actually in Kilkenny that it kind of dawned on me how special it was that we were part of this festival because it's, it's basically a very small festival. They get about 40 acts, mm. but the kind of calibre of the performers that they have is incredible. So the, like the year that we did it, it was like the headliners were um, David O'Doherty, Ashling B, Sarah Sarah Pascoe. Oh um, wow, huge! Yeah, royalty. Yeah, like, yeah, just these huge names in comedy, and so when I arrived, I sort of got the, you know, I do what I always do at a comedy festival, and you get the program and mm-hmm. just start looking through and seeing what acts you want to see. Mm-hmm. And I opened, and I was like, I called Steen. I said, Steen, there's only like forty acts at this, and they've all got twenty minute sets because it's a a lineup festival, so you'll go to a lineup and you'll have five comics, mm-hmm. just a mix of different comics, each doing twenty minutes. Mm. And in the midst of that, Bear Pack had just nabbed this one-hour slot for Bear Pack two nights in a row. Wow! And triple all of your peers' yeah, <laughs> time. Yeah. yeah, and we were um, because it was sort of a sideshow. And you, you haven't know. even planned anything. You're gonna make it up when you get <laughs> yeah. there. The audacity. So I was, I was super nervous, and there was a lot of apprehension because they'd never really had a big long form improv show they'd had the irish all-stars and a few other shows you know um with shorter form stuff sure but they were like yeah we come along and do this show and so there was an apprehension from us we were a bit nervous doing it into a totally new crowd there was some nervousness from the organizers in terms of they'd seen us in edinburgh but they you know maybe it could flop and there was a lot riding on this first show yeah and i don't know maybe just out of that nervous energy but we just absolutely smashed Awesome. That first show, we got a, our first ever standing ovation wow. from this room of like 120 Irish people who had most, the majority of who had never seen our show. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a niche place. It's not as like, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And it was awesome, you know. Um, uh, just amazing people were coming to see the shows and mm. it was really, you know, they say that you shouldn't do anything for validation, but validation but- is... A wonderful thing. You I was going to say being, validation <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. But it was, you know, we had all of these. Well, it's haptic feedback. There. You're doing good things, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's really nice to get that validation. From totally. After so long of, you know, pushing through because I, I I think improv, particularly in Australia and in the UK as well, mm. is not particularly well respected mm. as a as a comic form, and it's the same in Ireland as well. Um, and so you're kind of always pushing against it and it was just really – it was nice to have that kind of surge of um, excitement about it from totally, so yeah. many strangers in a way. Well, it seems like you guys are really on the vanguard pushing the kind of boat out for – like me, I was never exposed to fitter sports at school or at university, never heard of it, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Until I came here and I saw you guys perform at the Art Gallery of New South Wales late. Yeah, right, and yeah. I was just blown away. So sorry, we skipped over what the Bear Pack is. So 
from my experience watching it, one word from the audience. You were accompanied by, I can't remember her name, on Angela the cello. Yeah. yeah, fantastic cellist. And she kind of sets the musical backdrop for this developing yarn, which is kind of your unique style. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I guess it's unique in the way that we do it. It's, it's I guess, a kind of loosely based on a few improv styles like the Spokane or Armando, which is just, you know, people telling stories, so to speak. And I think it's just evolved to be really just a a fifty minute open play. Like there's the format. There's so little format now. We don't really have any set. You know, not that we had particularly much to initially. Mm. The original format was I would tell a story and then we would enact it basically uh, and show different I points see. and we would cut back to me telling parts of the story. Uh, okay. But over time, it's just really become. We well, can completely. You're completely enveloped in the story now. Like yeah, the character exactly. development, the narrative arc, like the skits, like it's just it's an incredible melding. Yeah, of, yeah. It's an in, uh, yeah brilliantly engaging, enjoyable journey. Like oh, cheers, Sam. No, no, mate, it's awesome. It's really <laughs> cool, and that's what inspired me to. I, I think I chat to the cellist afterwards, and I was like, what, what, what the fuck is this? What is this? And she's yeah. like, it's improv, baby. And I was yeah. like, okay, where do I do something pointing me towards it? Yeah, right, And yeah. went from there. So it was incredible. So we got so much to cover about, but I'm conscious of our time, so I will talk to you about it. Yeah, Improv sure. Theatre Sydney. So happy five years. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we are now in kind of, I suppose, the embodiment of how far it's come. We're in the physical space of this place. When I first started, I'm on level five now. Is level five the last? It well, is, that, yeah. Well, then, then you have there's to always the, more. The, the extension glasses. Exactly. Yes. Smart. There's always more kids. But um, <laughs> I've, I've done that over a course of, what, year and a half, two years. Mm. And in that short period of time, we've gone from using, you know, local community centre halls that have been booked out to now having this space. So what... Well, firstly, what is Improv Theatre Sydney? I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, well, I think uh, a good way to sum up Improv Theatre Sydney is we are we're trying to push to be a really inclusive and exciting school of improv in mm. Sydney, mm-hmm. in, in a nutshell. Um, we are very committed to... When, when, I guess the best way to put it is, is sort of in the history of it. Like when, when we started the company, there are, I had nearly every improviser in Sydney's phone number you know and i could it was that small yeah, of a I community could, yeah, just list every well, you, single you, person yeah you know? um and the majority of the performers at that time were all you know like white men um and you know steen and i were part of a younger group of improvisers that were coming up and you know when, when we started the company i was 25 and you know we were part of this younger generation of improvisers who were more diverse who had interesting who had a real interest in mm. furthering the craft away from theatre sports, which had traditionally been the sort of mainstay of improv in Sydney at least. Mm-hmm. And so we, we put together this school. We just wanted to teach long-form improv and we really wanted to hone in on on this, this style of long-form improv. And so it, who was we? Who was there at the inception? Was so it kind of like a meeting of the Avengers? Were you all round a round table? And yeah. It was like, I will take the ring. No, I. Yeah, you well, have my axe. Like, who was there? Yeah, it was um, well, the Hulk. Um, of course, the, yeah. Uh, the, um, In his good mood, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it was Nikita Exarian who was the managing the manager of Giant Dwarf Theatre at the time. She had been, she had been the person that pushed Bearpack into... So good into the spotlight. I think you know we yeah. had been doing 
small shows at a bar at the uni and mm. Nikita had seen it and she said, look, we want to get you in as a regular show. So it's such a fantastic venue as well, the Giant Dwarf. That's it's great. incredible, really. And it's it's built so many careers from it, you know. And so we were starting this show. We'd been doing it for a couple of months and Nikita said, you know, have you... She and I sat down. She said, have you thought about teach, teaching this, you know? Mm. And I had been very keen for a while, you know, there were all these big American and mm-hmm. uh, particularly American improv schools mm. and Australia had a couple of really cool places like Improv Melbourne and, mm. and Hoo-Ha had just started in Melbourne and Improv Australia here in Sydney but we, uh, we just wanted to... There wasn't a big school of long form yet at that mm. time in Sydney and so... Um, you had experience teaching. You ta- taught the uni for a while, didn't you? Yeah, we'd been teaching. You know, teaching at uni. I'd been teaching linguistics at uni. Is that what, how you were paying the bills at the time, kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. And I had been teaching improv out at UNSW, and mm-hmm. um, you know, didn't. so I, so Nikita suggested the idea, and so I talked to Cal Bain and Steena Skopoulos and Susie Yusuf and Eden Lacey, and I said, look, you know let's put a school together basically and it just sort of really rolled very quickly you know mm. within the space of a couple of months we had a registered business um incredible and and we'd started it and yeah kind of it went rolling from there oh good that's so good and it kind of flies in the face of like the stereotypical um insidious view of art arty type people that can't get there <laughs> you know they have lots of <laughs> ideas but then it's like oh we should do that or five years later or something but starting a business and let alone a school is incredible to get that done in such a quick period of time as well that's awesome well, yeah i think it's just that it's the necessity that you know artists from i think a lot of different backgrounds in australia are aware of is you really have to go at something mm. in australia if you want it to to work you know and it's been incre- incredible the growth. You know, we went from we started with twenty students, mm. um, and we now have this this year we are looking to have had eight hundred and forty. Wow! Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so that's um, so cool. It's yeah, it's wild. And I remember just that first time of seeing the very first class graduate in two thousand and fifteen, standing just in the being like, with a tear. Well, it was yeah, I, I was. It was it was a wild thing to see you know, 20 new improvisers. Mm. And then mm. every term after that, there's been 20 more, 30 more, 40 more, and it just keeps going, 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 you know. So uh, good. Yeah. And yeah. improv is just like, I think personally that comedy is the medicine of the world anyway, right? Like it's such a fantastic tool that we need to reflect on, you know, maybe maybe sad, maybe very poignant, very important, holding power to account, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. from knowing a lot of... Uh, comedy but not improv comedy coming to improv improv just like for me is transferable skills about how to be a better person like and it's you know it's listen better say yes and don't Mm. be open-minded don't judge it's just like a really nice rule book for being a better person so to not only be doing a craft that you love and enjoy but to actually be in it through the back door sculpting better humans that must be a nice feeling yeah totally look it's um you know ultimately it's it's great seeing people come out as performers. But, yeah, it is always nice seeing the, the way that people change their views. I mean, particularly we find like a lot of men who go into the course start to appreciate how unreceptive they have been to totally. listening to women or to there are working other views? with women. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know... I think Kale typified that in a brilliant performance where he was playing like a, a US jock hosting... 
a improv society. It was oh, so meta and nearly lost <laughs> me, but it was brilliant. He was like, okay, all right, okay, inclusive, <laughs> yeah. inclusive. Okay, I got this. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. funny. That's so cool. Yeah. So what um oh just looking back over that timeline for it's like mm-hmm. what are some some highlights and some lowlights, I suppose? Um I guess it it was a tough it was tough starting the company. Mm. Um there were some just strange politics around that time mm. and around the starting of the school. Um, you know, but we kind of pushed pushed through those. Mm-hmm. The, it, it was When we started the school, we, we came up with this policy if we wanted all of our shows to be 50-50 men and women, mm. you know. And at the time, it was quite hard to push that agenda Um because a lot of there were a lot of people saying, well, there aren't, you know, there are much m- many more men performing than there are women, and of course, and it it's the like, kind of build it and they will come scenario, though, isn't it? It's well, yeah. tough to enforce at the beginning. But it also it was sort of like, well, that's that's the problem, you know, like we're not, you know, we have to make these opportunities, and yeah, um, and then that has expanded over the years to you know, um, you know, having more diverse castings and in terms of sexuality, in terms of race, in terms of gender. Mm. Um, and I think that that has been the thing that I've been most excited to see change is mm. you know the who the improvisers are and whose stories we're seeing on stage over the the last five years. You know, yeah. Like this term, we now have eight, you know, as I said, eight hundred and forty students this year, but we're also now it's it's taken five years of you know a lot of work, but we're now fifty fifty men and women all the way through the school. Wow. Where it, we had we used to be. We would have a, a, a 50-50 in level one, but mm-hmm. we would just have huge drop-offs in, of women, particularly in levels two and three and so forth. And mm. now it's just seeming to, stay, board. to yeah. stay put. And, you know, when we started, we had, we had two teachers and now we've got nearly 21 yeah. teaching staff um, either in training or coming through. And that's just, it's a wild thing to suddenly be an employer. You know? Yeah, quite. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To suddenly have so many people that you're responsible for. And yeah. Daunting um, or exciting? Bit of both. Really exciting, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. Um, yeah. And I mean, definitely the high, a big highlight for me in the last five years has been getting this space. I was going to say, yeah. So know. how did this come around then? So we're now sitting um, in. I don't. What, what would you describe this? This room will as eventually the, be the, the main theatre. Mm. We'll be sitting at the edge of what will be Studio One because the wall is going to. If you can imagine, there'll be a wall between you and I. So, oh, um, okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So. So what? So building just came up because we're right next to FBI. We're in in Redfern here. That's so right. Yeah, you've just been looking for a while, and then this space seemed to fit the bill. Yeah, we've been looking for, I guess, from the time we started basically. And mm. it just kind of when I took over as AD, I had just said, look, we can't afford to just keep building in the way that we're building, which mm-hmm. was you know exactly as Sporadic. your experience yeah just having lots of different venues and mm. it also meant that they could never you never felt like a school this you know? is it it's part of the culture it's the community it's when you have a home inverted commas that's it, that and then everyone breeds around it's having these sofas this chill out zone little, little kitchenette when people can come around and have exactly, your, your yeah. wednesday night jams yeah yeah exactly people are you know you finish your class and you see other people who are finishing their class at the same time and you mm. get to chat and you get to meet each other and um you know, we had been building a really strong community of practice and now we're getting to actually build a community of space. You know, people are actually coming in and, you know, they enjoying the space and being in the space with other people and, and that's a really 
been a really exciting thing, you know. Oh, hugely. I can already see, you know, I've time hop 15 years in the future, someone having a similar setup to this, interviewing someone saying, oh, yeah, well, we met in the it's, you know, uh, Kitchener area. We had just done a <laughs> yeah. class. You know, it's definitely going to happen, isn't it? That's yeah, where all those yeah. connections are made. That's what university is such a melting pot because you're just meeting new people half totally. the time. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an exciting thing. And, I mean, hopefully 15 years from now this space is still plugging along but um, oh yeah sydney rental markets being what they are we'll probably i imagine we'll get priced out of here eventually but eventually well yeah. ride those coattails while you can though <laughs> yeah. for sure that's yeah. great so we've got improv theater sydney's uh comedy festival coming up soon is that in in, in aid of the five-year anno or just that, why not any excuse for a festival really no no that's uh you hit the nail it's it is in in um in aid of the five-year birthday so we've got four nights of just performers who go all the way back to our first ever class mm. to new performers just going to get up on stage and How good. just cut loose. That's uh, class. Yeah. That's brilliant. Right, before I move on to your show, what is an artistic director and what do they do? Um, in, in a nutshell... What do you do, Carlo? What do you do? Mostly emailing. Oh, I would okay. say, Sam. It's, sure. um, it seems to be the bigger bulk of the work. There's not too much art on your emails? Um, oh, you know, but I direct the shit out of uh, it. Oh, fine. They are fairly direct. I'll give yeah. you that. That's true. Um, so the main objective, I guess, of an artistic director is is really just to oversee the creative processes of the school, um, or at least in, in the scheme of my job, is I oversee all of our creative output, um, how our shows are being put together not in terms of direction but just overseeing them and making sure they you know adhere to our various policies and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then also overseeing the curriculum and how it's being taught and then the training of new teachers and the um the monitoring of current teachers it's it's yeah it's a kind of it's a fun position when we have our theater next year i'll get to do much more of the creative stuff in terms of programming shows and mm -hmm. having regular nights and starting to get into that st aspect but at this stage a lot of it is just that the admin of the creative cogs of this so the teachers and staff and mm. um uh students yeah great now, how, how many staff did you say you've got at the moment well there's there's 21 staff in either employed or in training at the moment or amazing and while they're in training they're also employed got but, yeah, um, yeah and how does it work are they like they they have like a certain amount of hours or is it freelancers like yeah uh, so yeah they have a we basically offer them as much teaching as they can fit into their week oh cool um, so yeah. as the school is building we're getting we're obviously every class we add we need a new teacher yeah. and yeah um at formerly we needed a new space mm. and this space means that by the middle of next year we should have like 30 classes a week wow and so yeah. we just need that kind of body of teachers plus we're hoping to have after school classes and school holiday classes so and specialty good. workshops so you just yeah, yeah suddenly yeah, yeah. the staffing just balloons you know? yeah of course that's great yeah. and is there like a separate course that they do for training yeah so they do what's called we do a shadowing program so for two terms they shadow another teacher mm. um similar to how um training teachers works for education in new south wales you know mm. you, you shadow a teacher professional teacher for a while 
Um, God forbid you're left on your own with the students for a moment while the, the main <laughs> yeah. teacher pops out of the toilet and they yeah. rip you to pieces. Oh yeah, they just savage you. Yeah. It's a te- it's a hell of a game. We're I gonna put what. a video on. Uh, get we, him. We lost three teachers this year. You know, happens, happens. You know. Um, but yeah, so you you go through that program and then you start teaching your own class and you have a teacher shadowing you just to be there to help and mm. and, and monitor. And, and then we also do regular teacher training sessions and seminars. And we have nice. a, we're, next you're doing a getaway where we're going away for a couple of days and oh, going cool. through the whole curriculum. Nice. Yeah, so it's... Um, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, yeah. That's great. On the teaching note, thinking back to your time with Steen when he was your teacher, mm-hmm. anything, any kind of uh, pearls of wisdom that he dropped on you when you were like, oh... Well, I always think I got into um, like I used to think Steen was a massive stoner. Oh, and really? Then later, found out he was very, very anti-drugs and stuff. But he just had this really chill vibe. He was like that really great teacher to come into because he just he just have such a placid energy. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That demeanor was just very relaxing. To yeah, be exactly. Yeah. So he's really comfortable. Like just his demeanor made it so comfortable. Mm to be in his classes interesting and I always liked to I guess imitate that of just making sure that everybody feels comfortable in class Mm. and then I think one of the biggest helps that I ever had is after I'd been performing for about a year I started feeling like I was going backwards like my scenes were getting really shitty and I was getting really in my head and then Steam was like you're you started thinking you know you're thinking too much and he Uh. just said like stop thinking and just throw yourself out on stage and it was like the best advice I got just because I had started planning, you know, I would be like, mm. "Oh, what's something funny I can set up?" Mm. rather than mm. just jumping out and I see and yeah. doing it, and that was a huge shifting yeah. point for me. And on that note, with Steen, where I think you told us once, like when when you're doing it well, you can barely remember the show when you walk off the stage, mm, mm. and it's like there's so many brilliant books on it, but like that sense of flow where you're completely in the moment, ultimately present, like. How would you, yeah? How would you describe when you're doing your craft to the best of your ability? What? Do, how do you feel? Uh, I described it to another friend of mine just a few weeks ago. Is it's it's like my body goes into an almost an autopilot mode. It's just like I, it's doing the show, mm. and then I go like out of myself, and I can kind of. It's like my. It's like everything is going in slow motion, and my brain is still at fast speed you know i can go out of that body and go oh here's something that you might be able to do or oh, you made a choice like that in another show a couple of weeks ago let's throw yourself into something new um which is a wild sounds experience. fairly superhuman sounds nuts nothing like that it's then just you and your mate xavier from the x-men go and get a beer afterwards <laughs> yeah then i just sort of levitate like two or three <laughs> feet off the ground you know that's incredible yeah, yeah. it's wild like I, I remember being in a show i mean it happens constantly but one particular show, I remember just, I was in a scene chatting to Steen mm. and as a character, we were having a whole scene and then just in my mind, I was th- thinking, yeah, this feels really similar to a scene that you did like last month. Just do something crazy. And then I just shot this character. Yeah. That I was, I, I jumped out of my, my character into another character and shot the character who was talking to Steen what? just to throw myself under the bus. Sure. And that's the sort of, it, what I mean in terms of this weird other yeah mindset incredible process, yeah reminds me of I can't remember the name of the movie but where like Morgan Freeman's you know narrating your life is like so and so standing at the bus stop and you're <laughs> like what, what? Yeah. but this is your own voice <laughs> yeah yeah you stood at the bus stop before Carlo mix it up a bit yeah. <laughs> here it comes uh, yeah. 
That's crazy. Yeah. And um, obviously the partnership between you two is so strong that Steen is more than capable to, of facilitating and even, you know, imbuing you with more more crazy than that. So your your dynamic is so so tight that... I mean, Steen and I are very in sync. I mean, there are weird moments that we have on stage which we then have to unpack afterwards because they're so surreal, you know, like I can be doing something in the foreground and Steen can be doing something in the background. It's almost like I know... What, he's what doing. he'll be doing, you wow. know, and I can judge what you know. We just are so in sync, yeah. When we perform, it's it's a wild time. That's fascinating. And how do you keep that up? So I presume, obviously, you're good friends as well. Like now, he's based in London, right? Mm, mm. So how do you keep up that kind of rapport? And this is where we talk about the Bear Pack podcast, which is now approaching season four, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. And um, yeah, how do you keep up that? relationship you've done a few shows over in london haven't you yeah so i kind of go over to london about three times a year to do shows and steen comes back here two or three times a year to oh do so shows pretty regularly here. then yeah so we kind of get around yeah um do you do festival circuits together as well yeah so we do we'll do edinburgh or like mm. this year we didn't do edinburgh but we did cat laughs again this mm. year in kilkenny and there'll be a few festivals in the year that we will we'll get around to mm. so it's kind of just now involves one of us traveling to the other person's patch Fair. for a little while you know because i suppose it's not like sketch or anything else where you know i don't know you have like a whatsapp and you're always like oh this is a funny idea maybe we could build on this do you do you chat regularly or is it kind of like i see you when i see you no we do, we do chat a bit we chat probably at least once a week i'd say um but it's, it's again just sort of like oh how's the week yeah good yeah, sweet. Yeah. Send a meme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. You know? Of course, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a picture says a thousand words, but a meme. Oh, oh I tell you what. Forget about it. I could do a show in memes. Oh. It'd be a hell of a thing. I'm sure you could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, so how does the podcast get recorded these days? You said, uh, we were chatting off mic, you said you can pummel them out. It's just a case of getting you in the same place or do you do it via... Like, no, we do them in the same place. So you're you, always... Do yeah. you, have you ever tried improvising when you're not in the same space? No, I think it would be too hard just because mm. I think you you do need to be able to sync up and see each other mm. to make it work. Interesting, yeah. Um, so usually what we do is we just sit for a day and record a bunch of episodes. I, got I usually feel that by episode three every time we're really on a roll. Sure. Um, and then so do the first three get binned or you just, you use them? You're just openly they admitting they're not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. First three episodes of every season, guys, you heard it first. <laughs> pop them in the bin and then four, boom, we're off. So I see, I reckon episode three of each season has been, have been where you really hit the stride. The cracker. <laughs> Good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. That's great. Nice. And have you got some in the works or are you waiting for a... A visit to a... Waiting for another visit, yeah. So um, hopefully we'll have some in January next year or February next year. Watch this, this space. coming back, yeah. Yeah, epic. And talking of podcasts, you're a feature guest. I don't know if you're a regular. I've, I haven't uh, seen you live. Eden was telling me that you went down to Melbourne recently to perform live for uh, Dragons. What's oh, it called? Dragon, Dragon, Dragon Friends. Friends. There yeah. it is. There it is. So... That is basically just having a laugh playing Dungeons and Dragons with your mates. Exactly. It's one of the best. It's one of my favorite shows to do. It's Ge one of the best things you can do. Genius. Yeah. It's, Genius. A, it's amazing fun. Yeah. Um, I only regret not having the idea myself. You this know? is it. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. That's class. And then people pay to go and see it live as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, just like every. I'm just kicking myself, you know. You're just so angry that it's so brilliant. Yeah. Always, like, but all credit to them. So, how did you get involved with that? 
Um, I had always been Dave, the, the, who's the dungeon master of that campaign. He and I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for years. Yeah, and um, so you're not one of these fly by night guys that oh it's popular now, I better get involved with D and D. You were no, you I've been in there since long before it was cool. Nice, you know? you're uh, at Comic Con choosing out which custom die to buy. That kind of yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I've you know obviously when Dave started doing a live D and D show, he wanted to get me in. Um, every now and then yeah and so i've yeah got to make a lot of fun choice little uh cameos from time to time it's yeah been awesome that's including class. in the most recent season dave got me to play th- uh four characters in the same family so oh. I, was, I was in one show so that was a wild night actually that's incredible is this where your degree in linguistics comes in because your accent work and your ability to hold accents and therefore characters incredible like i'll start perhaps i'll start with a strong accent and then you know, a sentence in, my Scottish has become Irish. You know, yeah. it's it's ab- abominable, especially in audio form. It's a nightmare to follow. So Just a matter of practice, Sam. Practice. Yeah, Love. just every day, if you can just chat to yourself a little bit in a Scottish accent. Yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll bring, you, bring you alive. Okay. All right, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try and take that practice. Yeah, it's incredible accent work. Really, really good. Oh, thanks. What else have I got on my magical list here? So you're acting. I was watching some um, some advice uh, from uh, what were you on? You were on uh, Tonightly for ABC. Oh yeah, a little yeah. while back. And mm. um, what? How did that come around? Um, I had wanted to do some stories on rural and regional issues mm. for Tonightly, so I pitched them these three scripts, mm-hmm. and they were really keen to do them. And it was a, it was a shame. Like we had six scripts because we were planning to t- we were hoping to do a second season of it had there been a continuance of um, Tonightly, which sadly didn't happen. Yeah, totally. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so we, we pitched the scripts and I got to go in and work with Monica Zanetti who edited it and helped me write the scripts and she was awesome to work with. Yeah. And then she and myself and Chloe Angelo, who's a cinematographer and a predator, I think they're called like a... A predator? A predator, yeah. Like okay. a, <laughs> a f- photographer editor, a filmer uh, editor, you know. So nice. she film it. And... So the three of us went up to New England for a couple of days and just f- shot them all out. It was how good. It was one of the, the best sort of um, filming experiences I'd had because we were just up in a beautiful part of the world, yeah. filming really interesting stories and totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it speaks again to that point I made earlier about comedy being a fantastic and powerful tool to examine things, right? So yeah. you know, it's it's important information that people wouldn't know of otherwise conveyed in a manner that's engaging right totally and particularly with you know the Woolworths and Coles one went so well in that area because they're all issues that I think are very important to people in in communities like where I grew up like Glen Innes they're important for those people but they're not really shown in you know most sketch shows don't do regional content unless it's to kind of patronize country yeah. people you know so yeah 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 you're right um, yeah yeah so offering that alternative narrative an important one at that is yeah it was it was great to be part of that you know yeah class and it was such a well-formed character and everything like you say the, that could have been one of a hundred episodes it feels like oh, oh, waiting for the next one that's I mean. very kind just really let let people know that Sam, you oh know? yeah yeah there's loads of smoke coming out of his ears now i've blown <laughs> so much smoke up carlo <laughs> yeah. today but he's, he's yeah, been very good humored about it that's glass man so moving into um are the future now so what's all no no the present let's stay in the present okay, but right. so what's a what's a typical day look like for you and then week so at the moment with the ad job 
Um, is that full time? It's not full time. No, it's part time. So I come in um, here to the space. I spend most of my day either working on curriculum issues or planning stuff for the faculty, or just dealing with the myriad requests from students and prospective students who, particularly prospective students, people just saying when are classes and all the what? stuff that's on the website yeah all classic, the stuff on the website to which you breathe into a paper bag and then and send a really friendly email good um you know and just the general management of the school and then in most evenings um i teach improv um i'm going to say most evenings two evenings a week I, te- I teach improv and that could be more depending on the week um we have a corporate arm as well with it's so some weeks i'll go out and We've been teaching. We teach groups like Google or Ernst yeah. and Young, and awesome. uh, who are now EY, very trendy. You know. Is that um, after you? They're not crediting you for that, uh, are they? No, no, yeah. No, bit of. But, no. Uh, I like to think we had a hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we do a lot of what is called applied improv, which is you know using improv to help um, companies with various issues that they might be having, or to help them with create solutions for. Um, teamwork and things like that mm. we did one a wild one in new zealand the start of this year we got flown over to teach a bunch of people from striker medical corp like they have people in surgeries who have to give doctors and surgeons advice on what medical implants to use and so we wow. were giving them advice on how to Brilliant. listen better and be more responsive okay that so was a wild fun yeah quite that's amazing not doing accent work and stuff yeah, like no, that no, yeah. <laughs> scalpel uh i don't know so <laughs> yeah, yeah. no 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 different different mix yeah, it up yeah, yeah. try and be welsh guys <laughs> um so that's that's uh, yeah a chunk of my time and yeah uh yeah so at the moment it's 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 mostly improv and then i'm i'm working on a children's television show for the abc at the moment incredible um so filming that and then you know and you're what you're a host or a presenter of it? Um, or is it um, one acting? of the actors? There's four improvisers that they hired for the for the show. How good! Yeah, so it's um it's going to be really really good fun. That's great. So yeah, that's kind of my my day to day, and then um you know just writing or I was going to say jotting down yeah. bits and bobs. You've got a show in the upcoming festival. That's right. Yeah. What's this one called? Something um, for free? Well, it's, it hasn't or is been it the drinking for two. It hasn't. Been, well, yeah, yeah, it is. Is that is that the f- trend? Because you've got cooking for one. Cooking for no one. No one. No one. Dr- there you go. Uh, drinking for two. And you're going to be knackered by the time you. you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, I'm oh, literally done having a movie screening for a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm holding off on it. Um, the third instalment, if I there see. is ever one. Okay. And this year, I've applied. It's not yet confirmed, but I've applied for um to do a show just all about the Titanic. Yes, um, so you have you froth over the Titanic, right? Love it, love, love it, it, love it, Titanic. Yeah, turning a corner, avoiding an iceberg. It, this is in your car, but you <laughs> imagine you're avoiding icebergs. That's but, right. Yeah. Do you know why James Cameron shot the Titanic or made the movie? I don't actually. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't. Well, this could rock your world, but you must fact check this afterwards. It's oh wait, one actually, of those I think I do. Go I on. might know. It's a rumor. I don't know if it's a fact. Yeah, same. Is it that he just wanted to go to see the wreck? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so a big he got, diver. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fact, you, you were like, oh, thank God for that. What a noob! I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I nearly didn't know the most basic thing of that. Well, I don't know if that's a fact though. I don't know if that's. Uh, mm, no, uh, well, I think I, I want to think it's real. I think <laughs> yeah. he's a big diver. So yeah. Do you and then know, Avatar. 
basically the Titanic. Well, exactly. There you go. I often wonder if Avatar was inspired by because the entire cast and crew yeah. of the Titanic got spiked with PCP on their last day of filming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wonder if and Avatar was just the dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the dream. That They're came like, quick, we've got all these guys. They're <laughs> yeah. all a bit off the rocker. Just get them in, interacting with the environment a bit. Yeah, yeah. Get them a, a classic kind of <laughs> Dancing with Wolves story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not been told before. There's this movie coming out soon, The Titanic. So we'll get it. Yeah. That's smart. I yeah, like so it. I wanted to do a show that was a character show. So I've written this character show. Well, I'm writing this character show for next year, which is the premise of which is that in the mid '90s, me and James Cameron wrote Titanic together, and I sold it. <laughs> I to saw him. that tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then you finished the crate. I was like, I didn't quite get that last part. What does that mean? <laughs> you finished the. You split the crate. Oh, split the split the case. Like, oh, sp- oh, fine, fine. To celebrate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And you were like, good luck with the, this. I, the idea, the inference that I want the audience to draw is that James and I, or Jim and I, Jim, Jim and I were oh. like just having a massive trolleyed night and the Titanic was just like this weird thing that we wrote while we were totally out of our minds. Class. And are you bitter or are you you're you're full of like, you know, uh, good on you, Jim. Yeah, I'm more impressed okay, that Jim good. ever got it made, you know. Sick. All right, good, 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 good. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, what a the Titanic, eh? Wow. Yeah. Who'd have funk? What a thing. Who'd have funk? How many people are on it? Made a voyage. Not only voyage. In the exact uh, the exact figures I think it was 2,200 or something like that. But it was made for much more. Mm. Um, so Why it could have been it even film? worse. It could have been even worse. Yeah. Who, um, what's the word when they break a bottle of champagne over it? Who did that? I don't know. I don't know. I imagine... Pulled over the history books of the Titanic, have you, Carlo? Yeah, I don't know who cracked the champagne on it. I remember... What was it made of? The Titanic? Yeah. Uh... Pure Northern Irish iron. Northern Irish iron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that true or is that improv? No, that's true. Okay. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's, well I mean, I, I don't know how much of it came from Northern Ireland. They probably robbed it from other parts of the colonies. But, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, the champagne one is a good question because I think I remember reading who did crack it mm. at the Titanic Museum when I was there last year. <laughs> Where is this? The Titanic Museum? In Belfast. In Belfast. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And is it... Because there was this thing at Moore Park, Fox Studios. You must have been to Went that. To that, yeah. Of yeah. course you did. What was it? Was that like a simulation of the sinking of no. Titanic? No. Oh, wait. Are you talking about... The, there were two. There was... There was two. There was an exhibition of artifacts Fine. No, Moore wasn't, Park. That sounds a lot more highbrow than this And then this there was one. a simulated sinking on the harbour, which was like a dinner event. And apparently it... Didn't went went down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terribly. Yeah, yeah, really went down badly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a role play scenario, basically. But I don't know. But you how. can't sink, so yeah. yeah so You're really exactly. pushing up against if the buffers there as an actor. Give me something to work <laughs> with—a bucket of water, for Christ's sake! Yeah, exactly. We're going down. Oh no. Yeah. No, I haven't finished my souffle. <laughs> yeah. I paid for this. Yeah, if you're going on a Titanic simulation and the ship doesn't sink, you would be upset. Yeah, I think. Everybody would. Yeah. Do you like the um uh do you follow Ricky and Morty at all? Or yeah, Rick yeah. and Morty? You Rick like and Morty. Their, yeah, yeah, their episode yeah. about it? I do like that episode, yeah. Good influence. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got that coming. I'm excited for that. I hope so. Yeah. I, uh I um I hope it'll come together well. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm already sold. Okay. Find out who broke the what's that word as well? Anointed? Christened no. the ship. Christened, christened the ship. Yeah, it's gotta be that. Um, Not to be confused with a christening. Can you imagine? Oh, I'd, I'd hate to imagine it. You know, <laughs> your little baby John. It was actually uh, a. I didn't time it, but the day that I went to the to the, to the the Titanic Museum in Belfast, yeah, 
the day that I went happened to be exactly 117 years since the Titanic was launched. Wow. Yeah. You didn't plan On the day. And I was there at the time that it was launched. Oh, if you plan that, come on. No, it was just pure coincidence. Absolutely pure pure coincidence. coincidence. When I was reading, I I I could just about forgive you. I could forgive you the the year, fine, but the time, that's well, mental. I was there the whole day. I, I arrived at okay. like 10 a.m. All right. And all I was right. there the whole day. And it, I just was in the museum Yeah, the day that it launched. Did you it see any crazy. ghosts? Nothing? Plenty of them. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I see them every night when I close my eyes, Sam. <laughs> oh, God, God, yeah. Well, on that note of PTSD and uh, haunting, we will leave you. But, mate, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Sam. Thanks for having me in. Not at all. Very excited for it and your work uh, in the future to come and the Bear Pack Season 4 coming soon as well. Yeah, cheers. Nice one. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll catch you in the next one. Ta-ra. What an episode, hey, guys. What a man. I forgot to ask him about Plonk Family Band, which is an improv comedy musical band that... Carla's a part of, which is epic, and of course, his moustache. But, you know, there needs to be some mysteries in the uh, universe, as he said to me in an email afterwards. If this podcast has left you feeling inspired to do some improv, and you live in Sydney, look up a class at the fantastic Improv Theatre Sydney. Like I say, now in Redfern. And if you want to keep up with the man himself, you can follow Carlo on his Instagram, which is at Carlo Ritchie. If you enjoyed our chat, please leave a pun-infused comment or review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to share the app with a friend. Thanks as always for listening and I'll catch you in the next step.